Good evening, wherever you are, and thank you for joining the Just Like the Movies podcast, for clicking on us, for giving us a chance while we talk about this puppet extravaganza picked by the main man himself, Team America World Police. So I'm last time I was babbling like a, like a psych patient off their meds, so I'm just going to hand it over to Johnny to talk. <laughs> I'm going to let him open the discussion because he picked the movie. And uh, first of all, just, you know, I, as I... Because I, I like our our listeners are concerned. I'm concerned about your health. So how are you doing, man? You doing good? I'm yeah, I'm doing good, buddy. Uh, the only problem is I I don't I don't know. Are you doing too to good? I I just don't know how to say this, Mike. I don't know how to tell you this, but everyone has AIDS. <laughs> everyone. Indeed. Yeah, um, no, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It's cool. It's cool that we're. Uh, this is our first time doing a two week in a row pod, so it's good to see you again. This is a, this is a movie that uh, I think we both have loved for a very long time. Uh, I feel like both of us really love the school of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Um, all their movies, from even Orgasmo, which probably most people don't even know exists, oh, man. to 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 Basketball, which they. Uh, made their own via improv to obviously South Park, South Park movie, the series, uh, their new $900 trillion deal they just signed with Netflix. Um, and it's just like, it's a duo that um, was right in our niche because we were, you know, mid-teens when South Park came out and mm-hmm. we kind of grew up with them and they helped form our sort of sense of humor. It's almost like we felt like they got us the way we get them. And it's been this uh, cool like relationship, us growing up with them as our like sort of... Uh, Sort pseudo uh, comedic heroes in a sense, very influential for me anyway. Uh, I don't know about you, but this movie to me is is timeless. Where I know a lot of people, you know, may not be dialed into it, and it, it it's almost like a cult movie. It, although to us, it's like you know, top shelf. You oh know what yeah, I'm I mean, it wasn't like a juggernaut or anything, but it it was just yeah. whenever. Yeah, I mean, I that's definitely fair to say that, you know, that I really enjoy the work of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I think people who listen closely to a few episodes can figure that out because it just comes up organically a lot. But um yeah, th- this movie is like one of those ones. It was just like I believe it or not, this is this is going to I know I say this I think I've said this every episode. I don't think I've seen this movie that many times. Which, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's been a long, long time since I saw it. I did see it in the theater. Wow. I remember yeah, me that. Too. Did yeah. you see it in the theater? Yeah, me and uh, our buddy Kish saw it together. Nice, in, uh, nice. The the um, world famous AMC theaters in Danbury, Connecticut. Um, but yeah, it's and and before we get get on, I just want to say a quick thanks to all of our listeners who've been sticking with us for, I believe this is our 23rd episode now. I could be wrong on that, but um, around there anyway. And, you know, thanks for anyone who's been telling people about us and, you know, giving us nice compliments or, you know, we just recently had someone tweet at us saying they just found us by looking up a particular movie and they're like, oh, you did a podcast on this movie. Um, I'm so excited. I think it was Tombstone. It was. was. Yeah, I was looking up Tombstone and I saw you guys and I loved the episode. So that's really cool to me. Because I know a lot of people came over from uh, the Resistance broadcast, what I did with Star Wars, but we've been building up people by just finding us organically. I think that's really cool. So to anyone listening, thank you. 
And please continue to spread the word. The easiest way to do that is to just copy the link to our feed on whichever app you prefer and text it to a friend, send it in an email, on social media, whatever. And if you are on social media, we are there on Twitter at Just The Movies. Uh, Instagram, just like the movies pod. We're also on Instagram, but you know, retweet an episode, quote tweet it with your favorite part. Take a quote from our episode that's you know our brand that you find interesting or funny. Whatever you have to do, we really appreciate it because you know we do this for free and it's accessible for free and it's also free for you to spread the word. So we really appreciate everyone uh, joining our little venture here down nostalgia lane. And I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about Team America with than you, Mike. So I'm very excited to to dive into this one. I think it's going to be Maybe a little off the rails for us, but I think it's going to be one of those movies where, where there's not going to be that many tangents because we just love this so much. Oh, stop. Yeah, dude. I I mean, I, I am a king-size Trey Parker, Mark. Like, king-size. Yeah. It's just like that brand of humor, it's like... Look, I'm sure there are people who don't like Trey Parker and don't like South Park, and I'm sure they're perfectly fine people. I just don't know what I would talk to them about. I don't think because I, <laughs> I just think our sensibilities would be so different that yeah. I mean I could be just blowing that way out of proportion, but I mean I I I think that brand of humor. I think there's some people who definitely think it's like too lowbrow or it's, and I think I think if you think that, I mean on the surface it is. I was gonna get into that a little bit later, and I probably will in more detail. But on the surface, the the funny thing about their work, especially later on, has been that it it has all that toilet humor and all that immaturity and that makes you laugh. But then there's, there's, there's complex issues being discussed and it's yes. not like they're trying to be too preachy. I know sometimes in some episodes of South Park, they've, they've gotten a little too preachy like in later, but like generally they just kind of, th- those guys have created the best job in entertainment for themselves. It's like they piss on everyone and that people just take it and they get to act like they're too cool for the room but it's like it doesn't come off as pompous and then when you tr- like when somebody tries to say something back to them it's they're they're like it's just jokes and then that person kind of comes across like an asshole like Sean Penn with this movie yeah uh, like you know Sean Penn writing him an angry memo style letter because he didn't like his portrayal in the movie and didn't like how they said that voting like voting doesn't really matter or something they took like a, a stance about how like it's your right not to vote and then it, he, he signed this letter of a sincere fuck you sean penn yeah. it's like yeah dude just way to really just play down the stereotype of the actor who takes himself way too seriously Me- meanwhile like george clooney matt damon alec baldwin like people who pro- who got it worse in this movie were were much more uh good spirited about it and then and no and no one remembers yeah and especially george clooney who um according to i think both trey parker and matt stone is um highly responsible for south park ever getting to air right and right he he supported them and he even uh you know did the voice of a barking dog on one of their first <laughs> episodes and he was in the south park movie doing uh the voice you know, played the doctor or whatever and very you know he yeah, as far as, yeah, right, ER, and as far as, you know, we understand that he had uh, a nice relationship with them, and they were still like, yeah, but you know what, George, you were kind of douchey here, and we're going to let you have it, <laughs> and it's just like that, that's like Trey Parker, man, like, he'll he'll lampoon anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, and they lampoon themselves, too, and it's mm-hmm. just like, no one is safe, and I think, 
that might be what has been saving them from the cancel culture or whatever, which I don't really want to dive too much into because no. good, I'm good sure call. I'm sure kids who were born in you know 2004 when this movie came out who are 17 who have Twitter accounts now would want to just uh, destroy Trey Parker and Matt Stone for this movie. But if you really think about it, this movie still plays today in how the world functions, and it's just sad to see that we haven't really moved on from a lot of this like Middle East crap that's been going on. But they <laughs> handle Trey Parker and Matt Stone handle it in a way where it doesn't matter who the fuck you are, mm. you're gonna get the business and you're gonna get it good. And I fucking love that's why that's part of why I love these guys. It's yeah, like, it, it doesn't it, matter. Like they can sign their eight hundred million dollar Netflix deal, and I'm still like. Good for you guys, because you're like the voice of the regular person, and I don't care that you guys have more money than God at this point, because you're still doing it the right way, and their their brand of humor resonates with everybody. And if if you don't get it, like you said, Mike, fine. Mm-hmm. But if you do, it it's a very satisfying thing. It's like the voice of the voiceless sort of thing. And I don't know how they've carried it on this long, but they have. And I think it's just how these guys have always been. Like Trey Parker to this day is still Trey Parker and they're making episodes of South Park that take a week to make and he's still hammering down Big Macs and he's stressing out and he's like the same guy. He just happens to have a lot more zeros in his bank account. Yeah, and and not to mention a lot more responsibility. You know, he has hundreds of people working for him and I think that's part of what motivates um, at least, you know, for that to keep going. And, you know, it's not like people aren't still watching it. People are still watching South Park. I mean, I haven't looked at the ratings numbers, but I'm sure they're just they're comparable to like what it was in the past. And, you know, that that was all very well said about their, their brand of comedy. And I think a lot of their longevity is tied to the fact that, you know, it could be the best act in the history of mankind or it could not be, but I think people are attracted to things that are genuine or at least put off the, and, and like these, when, when you take shots at this side of the fence, that side of the fence, like you said, yourselves, like that makes people think you have integrity because it's like, yeah, yeah, George Clooney was a big deal and he helped and he helped launch our show to start him. But you know, we, we do this movie and it's about these geopolitical issues and how these actors, I mean, I've touched on this a couple of times. I think you have too in other episodes, but it's just how actors like all of a sudden it's like they have this platform and all of a sudden they think just because they have the platform, they have the knowledge and <laughs> And the expertise to talk on these things, and they're way over their fucking heads. It's like when yeah. it's like when the whole COVID shit started, and all those celebrities decided to put out that Imagine video, and people just roasted them like so tone deaf. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just like, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And it's there's something about the snobbery of Hollywood where they're so up their own asses that they completely lose touch with whatever small town usa they came from if they did and these guys are going to call them out on that and you know for people who are like thinking about today like 2021 it still happens and it's more widespread because social media is way bigger than it was back in 2004 so maybe like we're almost um so used to it but in 2004, when you had, you know, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, and we're not going to get too political on this podcast. We're, we're kind of just setting the tone here for 2004. Well, because the movie doesn't either, believe it or not. Like, yeah, exactly. Like that, and, and, that's and, why there's no John Kerry, no George Bush in the movie, because they exactly. wanted to avoid that whole thing. Right. As right. much as and, possible anyway. But, but like in 2004, in that time frame, 
it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. If you look back at any like actors appearing on a cable news show or doing an interview on the fucking view or any late night show, just talking like feeling like they, they need to educate regular people who are probably smarter than them anyway on how the world functions. And it just is something that is so obnoxiously annoying, especially coming from someone who has way less problems than the ever average person does. And these guys tap into that. And it, like I said, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. And I think, Mike, that's why this movie in particular, I like almost better than a lot of the stuff they've done. And I love everything they've done. So I think that, like this movie is just one of those like this is for you guys who are just tired of the bullshit, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this for you. And also at the same time, just they thought it was a funny idea to make um, <laughs> a movie around this based on fucking puppets, based on that two season run of Thunderbirds and stuff. Well, yeah, the 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 uh, idea was actually they wanted to they were watching that show and they said they wanted to do something with puppets, and then. And they're probably baked out of their minds, just yeah, like probably. you know, it'd be funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, probably. But um, <laughs> the what the real inspiration for it was that somebody, like by this point, they were pretty. They were. I, I don't want to throw around like weird industry terms, but they were on the inside in Hollywood. Like they had connections and stuff like that. And somebody got them a copy of the Day After Tomorrow script, and they heard the story about how it got pitched and the pitch was sudden global warming attacks humans and the movie got greenlit based off of that now the movie made like 550 million dollars or something i've never seen it but apparently those two guys thought that was so fucking funny they wanted to do a puppet version of the day after tomorrow so that was like <laughs> that was their idea and then their lawyers are like you you can't do that so then they went through a couple it took about a couple years for them to develop the script and then they ended up, the information I read said that it was, they actually had their first draft completed before the U.S. intervened in Iraq. Oh, okay. But they did revise it several times. And then the script wasn't actually finished until sometime in 2004. And, you, you know, you mentioned the South Park the crazy cult, the crazy like college all nighter culture that's around South Park. Like, if anybody's seen the Six Days to Air documentary or like read read the accompanying articles or anything, or even just had somebody like us, you know, tell you about it. Um, that's how South Park has been doing it since basically the beginning, and that's the way it can say stay so topical and fresh. And unfortunately, that kind of hard charging. It's not procrastination so much, but it's just they they seem to uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone seem to put themselves in these spots where it's like they have to work these insane hours. They for, embrace chaos. Yeah, they, <laughs> that, that's a good way to put it. They embrace chaos. So like they didn't start developing this movie. I think they didn't start until late May of 2004, and it came out in October. Yeah, of the same year. And this is all stuff with puppets and with the music. There was a they had the soundtrack that was done. You know, Trey Parker, of course, wrote these hilarious, catchy songs, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. I mean, I've been singing parts of... I've been singing random lines of Pearl Harbor Suck that I miss you, just like in, in my quiet moments. Um, Only a woman! <laughs> Dude, you have to... I think Trey... Like, it's funny because, like, the thing I said about them being, like, t acting like they're too cool for the room and getting away for, getting away with it, like, the main thing I was thinking of was the fact that Trey Parker sings like that. 
He's obviously making fun of that style that came up in the <laughs> 80s, but you know he loves doing it, or else he wouldn't yes. keep doing it in so many fucking yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Or Not like the country thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's so easy to make fun of, like, you know, country songs and stuff. And something about, like, just Trey Parker's voice alone, I find funny. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even matter what he says. Like, he's just. His his tonation, his delivery, his fade outs, Mm-mm. just he's he's he is su- like honestly, I'm gonna kiss his I'm gonna kiss his whole asshole this whole <laughs> podcast. He is honestly my comedic god. I swear to God, like everything this guy does, I think is hilarious. Dude, I like, I was ba- I was like a mini legend in my dorm because I had orgasmo and I showed it to a bunch of people. <laughs> Dude, and like that's they- yeah, that's. That's like a Metallica fan, like being like, "Yeah, I kill them all on vinyl." (laughs) It's it's like, and you know, for people who don't know, that was Metallica's first record before you know Enter Sandman came out ten years later. But you know, like Orgasmo is, it's a tough movie to sell on people because it's just so outlandish. Right. It's about a Mormon who gets in a porn to to raise some money for himself. Yeah. Like for his wife or whatever, but. I even forget the fucking plot. Was that the plot? I think that. Yeah, was. he wanted to get married in Temple. He needed uh, a low five figure sum, and he didn't know how he was going to get that money. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. I, um, I, I, so I would, I would love to do orgasmo one day. I know it's super obscure, but I would love to do it anyway. So, but so you, Mike, I'll, I'll say this real quick. I I know we haven't taught, talked about doing commentaries or anything. Out of any of the movies we've done so far, I think I would be so happy if you and I did a commentary of this movie. Oh, okay. I'm just throwing that out there. We don't have to do it. I just think that'd be fun to do. Um, just watch the movie together. Even though, like, like the next time we get together, maybe do something like that. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, but, it's, a, yeah, it's an interesting idea. I mean, let, let's throw some cor- corporate jargon out there since we both have day jobs. Let's uh, let's talk about it offline. Let's talk about it offline. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Circle offline. back. That's it. That's the term. I like. Yeah, that. we'll yeah, we'll take it one. from soup to nuts and uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> Um, I know the beginning, the beginning shot of the movie, which is, you know, a little bit to fool the audience where it's like, oh God, this is going to look like shit. And it's like a puppet with like a, uh, yeah. a, a paper background of a drawing of like the Eiffel Tower and stuff. Apparently, and I don't know if this is true. I know you're, you dive into the details and stuff like that. Uh, uh-huh. that's what they initially showed to Paramount. Yeah. To like scare the shit out of them in terms of like, yeah, yeah this is what we came up with. Yeah, and the and, that's and, that. How rock and roll is that? And, and one of the executives, when they as soon as that popped up, he goes, "They fucked us." <laughs> <laughs> and and like the funny thing is that they knew that was a possibility. They had to yeah. have known. Like, I mean, yeah. it's easy to crack on Hollywood executives for being clueless and disconnected, but I I would say from a business sense, they they have to have some kind of savvy to get where they're at, and they have to know who they're dealing with. And I know. And yeah. they, they, I don't, I don't remember exactly how it went, but part of the reason they that Paramount agreed to do a movie that was such an odd concept was because they had a couple high-profile movies that didn't really pan out the way they wanted. Like one of them was the Stepford Wives remake that they did. Oh, so they. Oh, <laughs> that movie is fucking terrible. I, I wish you people could see the look of anguish on Johnny's face. It's, it's priceless. Oh. But well, um, they like wanted I need to a lemon do with cayenne on it. <laughs> but they uh, they did it just to they were looking for more movies that they could market to children I guess but then mm. with the puppet thing 
But then they said they liked the... They kind of liked the body humor and, like, the political nature of it, but then they didn't like some of the, like, raunchier stuff, which just gets into that whole double standard in American media about sex and violence. But, I mean, we don't really have time to get into that, and I don't think it would no, be very interesting. And, and you, know, uh, you know, hopping into the beginning of the movie, you know, they're in France, and the, I love that, that they did that where it's a, a puppeteer within the puppeteer movie, and he's doing a marionette. Yeah, that was super like, cool. Yeah, a little street talent thing, and... It pans out, and you're like, holy shit, they did it, man. Like, this is cool. And then, like, a really good score hits. And you're like, oh, they got, like, a good composer to do, like, some legit type of scoring. And by you say legit, like, it definitely has the vibes of, like, Michael Bay and stuff. And they definitely went for Michael Bay's throat with this movie. <laughs> uh, w- like, without question. And, you know, we love The Rock. We did an episode on The Rock. Michael Bay is easily uh, a target for a lot of, like, cheesiness. And they hit the mark on on every yeah, you know what i was thinking so. just because like one of the most probably the most iconic song that trey parker did is the america fuck yeah song and that's exactly what i said yeah. when you said we wanted to do the rock because that's the feeling that that evokes like that whole like i don't know that whole i guess you call it some some people would call it like it like american imperialism or american exceptionalism jingoism whatever but like that it's like that military it's like oh fuck yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, that, like we said, that, that movie was dripping with cock and machismo. <laughs> like it, it was. Yeah, we, I think we said that verbatim on that podcast. Like it's just like, and 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 Trey Parker likes to make fun of the over the top machismo uh, vibe. Like you say, like the '80s sort of like a man on a mission type of thing, and, and you know that sort of thing. Um, and, and you know the woman has dinner waiting for him when he gets home after a tough day you know uh, but you know the beginning of this movie like you don't know what's going on you see these like French people walking around and then all of a sudden like this little kid licking a lollipop he sees the terrorists and then it's like all bets are off and then it's just like here comes Team America and I just think it's so funny how they made sure it, like, like Team America just destroys every landmark in Paris <laughs> Yeah, they do the same thing in Egypt, too. And it's like, that's their way of taking... It's like, that's their way of talking about some of the clumsiness of military intervention. And, like, that's one of the things that... You know, that's one of the things that's, like, a complex theme that... You know, it's like, maybe not... It's not overly complex or anything. But then, you know, you go... But you go... There's the, the, the ability for them to use contrast, like, from... You know, a kid's walking down the street singing Frere Jaca, which is just so stare like it's just the broadest French stereotype you could possibly yep. imagine. He walks by a mime and then you know, then the then Team America comes from the sky and they're just blowing everything up except the terrorists they're chasing. Which yep. you know, very so it's like it, I think that that contrast is what makes it so funny. Yeah, like using a rocket launcher to take out one incel uh, <laughs> terrorist, and instead of like hitting that one human being, you blow up the entire Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and it's just like when they leave and say, "You know, you're welcome, Paris. We got it. We did it." And like all, all everyone in Paris is just looking around at, at flames and shambles and stuff. But I think the that, like the funniest part, but like really made me realize what they were going for with this movie is Carson's death. And, you know, Carson, like, he does the proposal mid-warfare, and he's like, I was wondering if you'd want to marry me. You know, and he does that, that, that classic, like, Trey Parker making fun of the 80s machismo guy voice. 
and then he gets you know the terrorist comes up diehard style who you, you thought he was dead and he's not in slow motion he blows carson away and then carson's whole death about like i feel cold babe it's a one-way ticket and it's like if you watch that scene and then watch josh hartnett's death in pearl harbor it's like the same fucking thing it's like, Rafe, well, they did. Rafe, i feel so cold Rafe. you're gonna did, go on did. You know, they had the song that was making fun of that movie, and then they, you know, they took they took all the shots at it, and then I guess they used the movie as inspiration for like when the puppets are staring at each other, and it was one of the movies that they watched to get those, I guess you could call them tropes, or if you want to be a little more negative about it, you can call them cliches. You know, it's like stay with me, Carson. Sorry, man. There's a one way ticket. <laughs> and then when his eyes go full open, yeah. Like, for some reason, when a, a puppet doing that is very funny. Yeah, dude, that was one of the things that I read that was... Because, like, just watching these puppets do shit and have it be earnest is just yeah. funny. It's like... And yeah. Trey Parker and Matt Stone figured that out because, I guess, early on, there were a lot more... Jo- uh, Pam Brady, uh, I believe, she was their longtime collaborator. I believe she passed away a few years ago. But um, she also helped him with the script. And it, it was a lot more joke-heavy. And then they were, I don't know how long into it they were, but they were like, man, puppets doing jokes aren't fun. Like Matt Stone said publicly, he goes, puppets doing jokes aren't funny. Like public puppets spitting up blood and talking about how they were raped when they were kids is funny. Because <laughs> I guess part of the, they were watching Thunderbirds and Trey, and Trey Parker was saying how he thought it just took itself so seriously. And, yeah. he did, and that's why he did, he did, even when he was a kid, he didn't like it for that reason. I don't know if that was the reason in his head, but I think that's him articulating as an adult why he didn't enjoy it as a kid. I think that is an the, like just kind of on a side note, it is an interesting dynamic. I know a lot of people crack on Matt Stone for not kind of pulling his weight in that business in that relationship, but I mean, I think it's just because Trey Parker is so creative and just kind of works on his own. And then, but like if you notice that a lot of times when they give public statements or anything, like Matt Stone does like most of the talking. And I, I yeah, think he also handles I, a lot of the business stuff, too. I, I agree. And sometimes I, you, you feel like he reels shit in. Um, and and not, not for the sake of, like, let's tone down our content, but, like, you know, let's let's stay back. Let's let's get back on track here sort of thing. Um, he Yeah, he's definitely, like, the, the stability, whereas Trey Parker's, like, manic genius mm-hmm. is just revolving around everything like a tornado. And they're... they're their te- like them together are have been the perfect team, and the fact that you have two guys who've been together for thirty years, oh man, uh, st- still working together, still you know as far as we understand it, best friends. Even though they they apparently got a little tired of each other making this movie, um, yeah, is 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 a testament to to their their partnership because most pairings uh, don't last, t- you know several years let alone three decades and they're still going strong there's fucking there's fucking bands who hit it big that can't stay together after one tour like (laughs) anybody remember the new radicals that goddamn song you couldn't go anywhere in the late 90s without hearing it you get what you give and that band just imploded like yeah they could have done anything from there and they just decided to do that um yeah you know kind of a digression you could find you could find all of them (laughs) as full-time baristas with full benefits at your local Starbucks. Um, so, yeah, so so Carson dies, and then, like, for me, anyway, watching it, I was I was laughing so hard uh, just at, 
the the lampooning they're doing of like the Michael Bay style, you know, it's you know, this is supposed to be like the serious moment. Let's get the close up and stuff. And it's just uh, it, it makes you realize how outlandish that stuff is. And then they take us to and then we get Times Square and they fully, re, you know, make it Times Square and it feels so immersive and cool. And you're like, wow, they really like went for this again. Like Paris was cool. Then they like take it to another level by doing like Times Square and the little bits and pieces they have to do for that. And the, the, the fucking lease song, like, oh my <laughs> God, it's so funny. Like, Dude, it, like, do you remember that? Like when we were in college and it was like every girl was into rent and it was yes. so fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. Like you, you were, you were like uh, respected for your, your knowledge of theater and art if you knew rent. Right. <laughs> and, and I didn't know shit about it. I didn't know anything about it, but I remember like by the time this came out, I did. And because it was referenced a lot in pop culture, like friends talked about it in a crossword puzzle. Like Rent was like popping around everywhere. And I never saw Rent, but, you know, I didn't they it, like Trey Parker obviously takes Rent ta- and, and calls it lease instead of Rent and, and just like takes it to the 10th level and just literally says everyone has AIDS and everyone's dead from AIDS. And that's yeah, because like the play. All the- all Rent did was there was there was a lot of operas they used to make like I can't remember what one specifically that they that they kind of were paying homage to it was like La Boheme or Il Traviata or something but a lot a lot of the the big tragic disease back when operas were the primary mode of uh, entertainment for people was not the primary mode but like one of the only modes of entertainment for people was tuberculosis so basically it was like they just swapped out tuberculosis with AIDS and now right. they're like. Now that AIDS is like, I don't know, 80% under control and it's finally funny, according to Trey Parker's math, um, we, I guess the next big hit musical that's going to do that has to do another disease. I think if you're going to talk about like like the rent now, I think it's got to be Hamilton, right? Where you talk, or, or is Hamilton already, is it already over? I don't know. Uh, no, yeah, Hamilton's still big. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would say pro- probably something like that. Um, like, and it's funny because they even like make fun of other plays in this movie. They make fun of cats and like yeah. cats of cats, <laughs> dude. Is, and I, I don't rape like, Chris. Yeah, I don't like musicals except when Trey Parker's involved. Like, I like some. It's I'm selective with it, yeah. but I, 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 I get why some people don't like it. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan, but there are some like I like like you know Phantom of the Opera. I thought there's some good music there, like a classic uh, musical. But I'm not a I'm not a you know I got to go to Broadway every year and check out the new musical guy. I still haven't seen uh, theirs, Book of Mormon. I haven't. Seen I, I saw Book of Mormon. Yeah. It was cool. It yeah. was the thing about Book of Mormon that was kind of ruined for me was that um, everybody I told that I was seeing it just went, "Oh my god, it's so funny!" And then yeah. it's like when you have 20 people tell you that, and then you go see something, it's like it's not gonna, you know, your expectations are just completely blown out of proportion. Yeah. Right. I also don't like, for whatever reason, I don't like Josh Gad, but yeah, that's uh, neither here nor there. I don't, I don't think I think he wasn't in the version I saw because it was in DC. Oh, okay. I didn't see it in New York. I saw it when it was traveling. I saw it at the. I think I think I did mention it in another in another episode. I, I said the National Theater, like we like we live in the Soviet Union in the seventies. Theater. It, it was the I think it was at the Kennedy Center. I saw it, but nice. um, anyway, enough. That's enough about Trey Parker and Matt Stone's other work. Uh, <laughs> right right yeah so um yeah it just it's something about like all the all the like characters in this movie uh like have a stereotypical place in like these action type movies 
and like you know Spotswood and even his voice that deep like oh, I'm the guy who's gonna get you and come suck my cock <laughs> Gary like it's just like it, 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 I, I don't even know how to explain it like when he finds him that that recruiting thing then they get yeah. into the limo and then like they want to remind you like this is a Trey Parker Matt Stone movie so it's like suck on my dick <laughs> like just like now what suck my cock. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wait, seriously? Dude, dude, just doing a. He was just doing a Charlton Heston impression. That 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 guy's been in like four, his filmography is ridiculous. He's 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 like yeah. one of those voice actors that's been in like four hundred things. And yep. I guess he decided the best route to go. His name is Darren Norris, I think. And um, he said that he just decided to do a Charlton Heston impression, which I which for me netted hilarious results. So yes, yeah, hundred uh, percent, yeah, definitely the right decision yeah. for that. Um, yeah, and you I feel mean, like they almost made the puppet look a little Hestony. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they did. I mean, like, and it was interesting. Some of the stories that came out because they had the the all the challenges they had working with these puppets. Like the reason that they did the whole Matt Damon thing was because that puppet came out looking retarded. So they instead <laughs> of him actually being like the other actors and like arti- like talking and giving these speeches and everything, it's just Matt Damon. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what's funny because he actually does seem like one of the more intelligent of the group of actors that go out there and talk about issues and stuff. And he is, you know, uh, a philanthropic, and uh, you know, he he does uh, you know charity work and that sort of thing. And he seems well versed, and his vocabulary seems pretty solid. So the fact that they picked him to be that paired with what you're saying about how his puppet looked, which oddly, even though it looked like fucked up. <laughs> Like, if you looked at that and you didn't see this movie and said, what actor is this? You'd be like, that's fucking Matt Damon. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, like, maybe, I don't think I would, but that's just because I'm bad at recognizing faces sometimes. Like, I don't, mm. I don't know. Like, that's... the other puppets look good. Like, Susan Sarandon, like, they're like, yeah, let's get the fucking bags under her eyes. <laughs> uh, like, they had, all, all, like, all the actors, they did it. They, yeah. they did a really good job with the puppet work. And, like... To, like they do the same thing in South Park too, but we're focusing on this movie. Um, <laughs> it, it's gonna like we may go off the rails just in terms of like you say our love for just in general Trey Parker and Matt Stone stuff. But uh, the characters like I don't know I I got a really big kick out of like Joe's fine like the the fucking corn fed quarterback you know guy and all American, but Chris I thought is the <laughs> best uh, wearing his tactical goggles and just hating the new guy and you don't fit in here thing like that trope. They just made that so funny, especially when Gary walks in and he's like, that's who you got a fucking actor. And then he turns and tries to hit the pool cue and it just like moves as you would expect a puppet to hit a fucking pool cue. And that is just so goddamn funny. Like th- th- those little bits in this movie that, like they do the serious dialogue and they immediately follow it with something absolutely outlandish for a puppet to not be able to do. Uh, <laughs> and, and like that, that's some of the best beats in this movie because it is a quotable movie because the writing is so funny because it's these guys, but the physical nature of what the puppets are doing as they try to be serious in their, in their, uh, you know, you know, self-realized roles is just so damn good. Yeah, the way they subverted all those tropes and cliches—I shouldn't say subverted, but like they—they they kind of satirized all those uh, tropes and cliches, like with yeah. the you know the thoughtful montage when he's considering if he should help Team America, <laughs> or like like you were mentioning with the Chris character, his his uh, hatred of a guy because of some tragic element of his of his background. And then that yeah. gets revealed at a crucial time. It's like all that stuff is just like, you know, we've said, I think we've said it a few times, like, but the, uh, you really have to 
love something to really rip on it. So, yeah. like, when Trey Parker does all this stuff and it's like, oh, he's making fun of this, he's making fun of that, you have to think it's, like, there's a part of him that really enjoys it. Because otherwise, yeah. I don't know if he'd be able to make fun of it the way he did. And I definitely don't think this... I mean, I laughed so much. at the. I, I probably laughed at this movie more than any of the other ones we've done. And we've done some good comedies on here. It's not like we've oh, really dude, done yeah. any dogs, but, like... Yeah. Like it was just Ghostbusters when you've seen that movie like 120 times or whatever the hell the final number actually is. It's like yeah, those jokes are still funny, but they just don't they don't hit the same way. Um, yeah, this movie it was just I had I'd seen it. I, I don't even remember the last time I saw it, but uh, I did. I do remember I saw it in the theater with a buddy of mine who you know I lost touch with him. That just kind of happens over time. But it was a guy I went to mm. college with, and he uh, he lived in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Which, if uh, anybody w- went to Dickinson College, uh, that's where that's at. But it's also very uh, Scranton-esque. Uh, just that kind of central Pennsylvania vibe. It's a cool little place. But, yeah, it was just memory betrays you. I thought it was the summer of 04, but it turned out it had to have been in October because that's when it came out. And, but, you, uh, know, you know, being that this movie is 17 years old, and it definitely created itself within a very specific period of time the post 9-11 rally Mm -hmm. around the flag you know all that shit unlike like we we kind of like we're poking a little bit of fun at some of the austin powers sequels Mm -hmm. in terms of how trapped they are because of the references to pop culture at that time Mm -hmm. like this movie is greased and loaded and drenched in 2004 but it's still fucking works perfectly in 2021 and yeah, maybe that's a sad fact that we haven't fucking changed much uh as a as a society or world but it doesn't feel like oh man this movie fucking dated man like no not to me like it I, it they it still holds it holds yeah. a lot of water still and it's still just as funny every time i watch it and it's just like it, it could be a moment where Oh my God! This is so funny. They're doing that song, all the, the 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 what would you do song, and the the freedom costs a buck oh five, and they're like, oh, they want to make sure all the proportions are right with the puppets and the building size and the cars, and then they're like, you know what? For this scene, fuck it. He's just gonna be leaning up against the tombstone, and he's gonna be shorter than the tombstone. You know, <laughs> like I just love that. They're just like, we don't care about continuity. We don't care about our canon. It's just we're just gonna take this guy and put him up to the actual. Side. We're not gonna rebuild the monuments. We don't have the budget for that. So he's gonna be standing at the foot of the Lincoln Monument and not be as tall as his shoe. Like I, I just think that is so funny that in the middle of the movie they did that, and then the song he's like like buck oh five <laughs> freedom costs a buck oh five if you're willing to pay the price <laughs> it's just so funny like and, and that's another testament to trey parker being like you said like just writing funny really good catchy hilarious songs yeah. like it's just like he, the guy is so goddamn talented and this is what i'm talking about i'm gonna kiss his whole asshole this whole entire yeah, episode you're, you're, but we're, yeah i think we're really gonna get in there so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so what's your favorite? Let's get into that then. What's your favorite song out of the songs they made for the movie? Um, well, before I get to that, I just wanted to um, kind of talk about what you were saying about the um, just how the the way the the um, I I fucking lost it. I'm gonna have to 
edit that out. I don't know. I was market say, zero. Uh, mar- <laughs> fuck it, dude. Market zero. Um, <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was gonna say my favorite song is. It, it, it had to be the been the Pearl Harbor one, just because, like I said, that was the one I've been singing all week, and. <laughs> It was like I like I would just be driving in my car. I just be like, <laughs> I miss you more than that movie missed the point, and that's an awful lot, girl. And now, and then I didn't know the rest. But then I'd like sing another random line I could remember, like how he. Oh, all I can think about is your smile and that shitty movie too. <laughs> Pearl Harbor sucks, and I miss you. God, that movie was bad. I mean, just that's such a good melody, though. And yeah. now, all I can think about is your smile and that shitty movie too. <laughs> and then, the, like him trashing your boy Ben Affleck every chance he gets. Like I know, uh, you know, it was it was fair to bash Affleck in two thousand four. I think. Yeah, he just hot off of Daredevil, he was doing like uh, Gigli, you know. It's, Dude, Gili's so to... bad. Like the funny thing about Gili is though that like it was one of those movies. It was hyped as being so bad that when I watched it, it was just like, oh, this is just garden variety terrible. Like it isn't even that bad. Yeah. Like there was actually something that made me laugh, but just because it was so stupid. Um, yeah, it's funny how this movie hammered both Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. Ben, ben Affleck was kind of the same thing. Kind of happened with Matthew McConaughey. Like people used to take shots at him because he, he just did all these shitty romantic comedies. And then in 2011, I don't know, he just decided to start... He did that Killer Joe movie that was a play. Yeah. And then he did uh, The Lincoln Lawyer. And then, like, yeah. he just... Like, all of a sudden, people started taking him seriously as an actor. And now, um, yep, you know, we're, yep. we're, we had the full-blown reconnaissance that kind of came and went. But... Uh, reconnaissance? Yeah. I, I thought nice. I was so clever when I came up with that. And then, like, I read, like, like, six other bloggers came up with it, like, within a week. And I was like, Shit. you know... It just goes to show you, like some, some, like some people are naturally really creative, and some people are just not so much. You know, just that pretty mundane thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what I was gonna say about um your what you were saying about the movie kind of having the it's be, yeah it is kind of two thousand four. It has all that stuff, but because so much of that stuff is still going on today, and the movie has the feel. It's like trying to replicate an eighties action movie. It, yes. it like it feels kind of timeless in that way because you still got celebrities getting on their soapboxes telling average people how to live who have a host of concerns that they haven't known about for quite some time and and sometimes the the it was like the like the one scene where Alec Baldwin's babbling about hybrid cars and it's like it has nothing to do with what's going on and unfortunately you know you said yeah we're steeped in steeped in 2004 but i mean those wars up until very recently, we're still going on. So it's like David just dragged out, dragged. So it's not. It doesn't date itself as much as 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 we thought, just because those wars got dragged out for so long. Though like our involvement yeah. in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I think you know that's not really that. that I don't know if that's really that great of a point, but maybe that's part of what helps the movie not be so dated, is the fact that you know you have those universal themes. You still got limousine liberals trying to tell people how to live their lives. You still have you know. You know, that's even the title of the movie, Team America World Police, all that comes from is just, you know, sending up our the, the United States status as the, the uh, in, police actions across the world and interventions here and like, you know, what other clever name for kind of an occupation yeah. they give. But anyway, um, 
I that that was that was just kind of my thought on that whole thing. I don't know. I still kind of wanted to see what because I I never really saw Day After Tomorrow. I just remembered it looked ridiculous. I kind of would have liked to have seen just a puppet, just like a puppet you know, version. I think that would have been. Can you, can you imagine how funny that would have been if like that movie came out and then right because their plan was they wanted to release it at the same time. So it was like people could see that movie and be like, and then if so, if you it's like if you saw the day after tomorrow and you're like, man, that was fucking stupid, and then you go and see Trey Parker do his version of it with puppets, and it's as funny as that Panama Canal scene where the the puppets are being washed away, and they're going no me gusta, no me gusta, and you know what's funny? All the all the shrubbery are buds of weed. Yeah, I read that. I read that, that was part of the that was part of the whole gimmick. Like you were mentioning how at at certain points they just gave up on the whole element of scale, and they would yes. they would they yeah. would introduce things for comedic yep. effect to show how small the puppets were. Like they would have yeah, cats like what, as right, t- yeah, the cat, cats as panthers, and um, I don't know if they were like mini sharks or bass or whatever eating Hans. They were nurse sharks. Oh, okay, nurse yeah, sharks. It, and, and you know we haven't even gotten into uh, Kim Jong Il. Yeah. Oh man, you, you know that was the know, one that... thing for, in this movie that didn't really hold up as well. I definitely didn't oh. think I, it was as funny as when I, I was, was younger. Dying. <laughs> were you, were I you was di- dying. Well, why don't you get it? Was you, were you dying just because of the accent, or ju- like was it the? Like, I what th- was honestly, it? it has to be seventy five percent because it's Trey Parker doing the doing the voice. Because um, yeah. he just uh, his 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 voice is just hilarious to me, um, and I think just not so much his accent and like the stereotypical Asian Asian thing with the L's and R's and stuff like that. Like that is funny in this movie, but I think it's just how how like normal they make him in terms of how he talks. <laughs> like he's just like, do you have any idea how fucking busy I am? You know, like stuff like. <laughs> And, and like he starts speaking, you know, in like Korean gibberish because they weren't using actual Korean. And then when he kills his translator, and he—that's when he like becomes, you know, the English-speaking Kim Jong Il. I think it's just so funny. He's like, just like he just very. Uh, and they said like I think that's a little bit of making fun of Kim Jong Il for sure. But you know, they've said like you know Saddam Hussein was very you know obsessed with some elements of like American pop culture and like. There was a, there'd be like random pictures of a pop star framed on his wall or something like that, and like so I think that stuff like does hold, but something about just how Trey Parker can portray somebody, um, in in a uh, a parody fashion, uh, I I still just found it, find it so funny. And if I if I had to really dissect why I was still laughing so hard at watching it again for I would say I've probably seen this movie like. 30 times like mm. so i've seen this movie so many times <laughs> i couldn't even really put a number on it but the fact that i still laugh so hard i would say honestly it's, it's got to be at least you know for the sake of trying to quantify it or you know uh 75 just because trey parker's doing the voice and, and yeah i i part. couldn't agree with you more i mean it's like it's just the it's the him like it's not just with him that like a portrayal of that character but it's also the 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 way he sings and like the because you know it's like a standard South Park production. Him and, Ma- and Matt Stone do like seventy percent of the voices between them, or something like that. Yeah, so it's like yep. you look for all like a lot of those little. And I don't know if they do this on purpose. I think they they have to. I don't want to like I don't want to be like oh they're such geniuses. They but like there's if you pay attention, there's always these little meta references to other stuff they do. Like when they're in France, one of the one of the details that was kind of funny was that the the all the roads were made out of croissant. 
I, 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 <laughs> yes. I, don't, I had to yeah. read that somewhere. I definitely didn't catch that. But I did catch that there, there was a mime... And he did look kind of resemble Trey Parker, and then that's a, a like to me that's a weird throwback to basketball, where he dresses up as a mime for a psych out, and he pretends to whip his dick out like helicopter it. And then, yeah, that's and, right. Holy cow! You know, you know, there's that, and then there's like where Kim Jong Kim Jong is like, "Oh, you're breaking my balls," and that's something Cartman <laughs> says in one of the episodes. <laughs> Break like, my balls, hands. Yeah, I think that has to be something they do on purpose for their fans, like to have these little references, and they did it in basketball too, where yes, he slipped yeah. in the South Park voices. Like the Cartman one was really obvious, but then when he slipped in the the uh, Mr. Garrison. We all know much Doug Reamer loves kids. Cares about kids. Oh, that's it. Fuck. Um. <laughs> Did I just fart? <laughs> I Dude, I dropped... That's from Basketball, by the way. We'll do that movie eventually, I'm sure. But uh, I dropped that without any worry of whether or not people know what that's from. <laughs> like, if there's a conversation where people keep asking a question to try to understand what's going on, I'll just drop in a, Did I just fart? <laughs> It just or, say nothing to back that up. Or or when people let you go on some like ill advised tirade about God knows what topic and then people people are just staring at you like confused, like, did I just fart? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Could have been. No, there are like yeah, you're right. There are a lot of hidden um, you know, Easter eggs of of stereotypical nature based on, you know, what uh, in, uh, you know, country they're in or what environment they're in. And uh, that's just a part of them just trying to get down to the bare bones of the, of the stupidity of, of stereotypes and that sort of thing. They do it well. Um, but it, it, it's also them saying like, yeah, we didn't delve too much into culture here. We're just going by the, the, the blanket absurdity that is what is happening if, you know, there is a force of the United States being police and going in and thinking that they're fixing things like they hit all the landmarks, you know, the, the Sphinx and the, the Gaza pyramids and, you know, not, not, not a, an unknown village in Egypt. It has to be Cairo, yeah. you know? So uh, I, I think that that's funny that they kept at that surface level. Cause they're like, we're not going to dig too fucking deep on this thing. Yeah. And like, um, but, oh, sorry. I, I just wanted no, to say go real, ahead, real quick. Um, the, you were you were talking about how can like it's possible that cancel culture would be all over this movie, and I think one of the things that would be they they would latch onto and would really miss the point would be the part about how the terrorists talk like they just they talk in this language that's entirely made up of Dirk Durka, Muhammad Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Jihad, and like just the, and Sherpa Sherpa as you Bakala and Sherpa Sherpa, <laughs> and. It's like I'm sure that there's there there's no shortage of people that would get all up in arms about that when they don't realize that when they actually land in Cairo, all the puppets are actually speak all the non-terrorist puppets are speaking actual Arabic. Because yeah. if you watch South Park, you know that Trey Parker is kind of a language nerd. Like Gar- the whole Gary character is just an idealized version of him. Like yeah, he studied you know majored in music and world languages. <laughs> You know, I I don't know about I don't know if Trey Parker had aspirations to be the finest actor in all the land, um, besides Alec Baldwin, of course. I I you know <laughs> I, I think he turned into something more, but yes, um, I do too. I think he changed comedy. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I don't think that's understating it or overstating, I should say. Um, no, that's a great observation that like you know, and they did that with South Park too, where like. Stan is Trey and Kyle is Matt Stone and you yeah. know that sort of thing, but uh, yeah. I didn't really think about it that way. Where Gary's sort of like a 
a pseudonym for for Trey Parker. Yeah, he's, he's people, like kind of like an idealized avatar of Trey Parker. And then like coming back to that whole terrorist thing, it's like people would get upset because of how terrorists are represented on film. Like, oh, we yeah. we need to honor the of like. It's like who cares? They speak terrorist gibberish. That's like that's funny. It separates how, them from the people exactly. in, in their country who don't do shit like that. Look how they're portraying the American military. Look how they're portraying. <laughs> actors look how they're portraying literally everybody in this movie and that's the whole thing like all bets are off this isn't any kind of thing where it's like no we're speaking on behalf of blank they're speaking on behalf of fucking nobody they're just out to get everybody you know what i'm saying yeah and matt matt stone made a statement about like i don't know if it was during the press of this movie or was during a retrospective i don't remember the exact source but he said that part of the reason they made this movie the way it was is because i mean think about how things are today where, you know, if you don't agree with a certain slate of ideas, you get you get painted with a certain brush. For example, if you don't agree with X Y Z, you are Hitler. You know, standard. Yeah. You know, yeah, standard yeah, right. internet rhetoric. Really, like it's kind of like Robert's Rules of Orders updated. Uh, Robert's Rules of Order updated like through Reddit, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous because it's like even back then it was the same thing. It was like. You couldn't like when Michael. That was when Michael Moore was super popular. That he got you know pretty, he got a a, a nice uh, drubbing in this film. And ironically, that wasn't about a political beef. It was because when he did Bowling for Columbine, he interviewed Matt Stone and Trey Parker, and then he did this cartoon, and he did it in a way that made it look like they did it to kind of draft off them. Yeah, and. and, so, and- his movies are edited in a way too, where I think even his interview with Matt Stone, I don't know if it was with both of them. I know Matt Stone for sure. I, he probably cut bits and pieces and, and Matt Stone probably didn't take kindly to how he was portrayed either. Yeah. In that documentary. And, and that's, they will, they will hit you fucking back hard. These guys. Mm. And that level of, you know, you always want to like, I don't know. There's something about like a Michael Moore or whatever, and it doesn't matter, you know, where you are politically and stuff. But like the the every person like us wish we were able to go tell somebody, you know, we don't fucking like what you're doing or whatever. <laughs> and like the these guys have the fucking capital to do that. And like I said, for some reason, to me, they're like my representative, where he's like. But they have like that power, so you want to like get behind them and be like, "Yeah, fucking fuck that guy, dude." Yeah, because like, he they, fuck Michael Moore. Yeah, they were saying like you could, back that even back then the political debate was so polarized. It was like he was so popular because of that movie and because of that Fahrenheit nine one one, and it was like yeah. you couldn't just say you couldn't be critical about Michael Moore without being like, "Oh, you're a." You're like a whatever right wing label, like you're a Fox News, like Rush Limbaugh listening asshole. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly right. Or yeah. you you want to go kill babies over in the Middle East because you don't think Michael Moore uh, is telling, like you don't think Michael Moore has his own agenda, or perhaps there's some criticism you could make of his work. Right. I, I mean, I haven't seen any of his movies. I just remember when Fahrenheit 911 came out, and then like people would see it, and then all of a sudden it was like they would just all their political beliefs would just go through this tonal shift. And it's like, you know, documentaries are supposed to represent the truth, but most of the good ones, or at least the ones that get a lot of public attention, I mean, there's stuff they leave out because the truth isn't always a nice, neat story. You have to... Yeah, it's you not have run to act- through any fact filter, man. You know, yeah. it's all about whoever's, whoever's producing that thing, whatever narrative they want to sell, that's, gonna, that's what's going to come across on that documentary. Like, say what you want about her. Like, I guess... 
and we're getting a little off the rails here, I guess. But Alanis Morissette, they just like they're putting out a documentary about her, and she's like, "This is utter shit." Like, and she was all she was there throughout the whole process, and then she saw the final cut, and she's like, "I didn't even say half this stuff." Like, you can I mean, edit things to look however you want. So yeah, that that's why Johnny. When we get famous, nobody's doing a fu- nobody's doing a fucking piece about us. Nobody. No, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna do it our own way. We're not gonna let some fucking camera crew come in and shoot like four hundred hours of footage and chop it up to make. You know, make us look like the biggest assholes possible because they think that's what people want to see. Right, and if they do, the vengeance will be sweet. <laughs> oh, it'll be it'll be fucking biblical. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the end of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Just show up and start strangling people with phone cords. Um, so, uh, all right. So, yeah, you weren't that big on the Kim Jong Il. No, I, I still find. No, I no, no. It was no. A little okay, over go. the top. Just that, and that's fine. And, and that's fine. And I, 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 I get that. I get that. Um, so the, another, you know, one of the scenes that had me dying still, and it's probably a little overplayed to me, but I still found it really funny, is the whole, like, uh, like the surgery that Sarah performs on him to have him look like a terrorist. And he just, like, sits up, and he has, like, pretty much blackface with pubes glued to his face. <laughs> and I just think that is still so funny because they're like, it's uncanny. <laughs> and he's walking down the street and he's still got his fucking leather jacket on. Didn't even change his wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, same, same bullshit. Yeah, same bullshit like, hairstyle. Like, yeah, same exact hairstyle that, that like Ethan Hawk hairstyle or whatever. And he's like, and they're like yelling at him. They're like, Baba John, Baba John. And they're like, oh, he's totally fucking us. And then he's like, Sherpa, Sherpa, Buck. Allah, Muhammad Jihad. Yeah, no Allah, accent, Durka. no nothing. Just... Yeah, and the and the guy just goes, oh, Durga, Durga. <laughs> <laughs> come on in. And then they do the whole Cantina Star Wars thing, which is so good. Yeah, there and were a few do... Star Wars references in this. The, and 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 here's the thing about Trey Parker, his, his under like his his recognition of minute details in terms of even sound bites is so good and how like what the way i can explain this is when they're doing like they walk into the cantina in so to speak and they pan around to all these people at tables it's just like in a new hope and you hear like two you know people the aliens talking to each other and there is that sort of gibberish like and that's like right off the pages right out of the sound bites of a new hope and he like he nailed it Better than George Lucas could. It was so good. And they did like rip off music and stuff. Like I thought that whole scene is great. And then Sarah with a Gatling gun. Gary <laughs> mows the entire place out. Completely kills everybody. Except for the Gary? bartender and the belly dancer. She didn't hit them <laughs> yeah. somehow. Right. And then she just again, Gary. <laughs> or the like when he's when he's speaking to the guy about how he wants to join them, and he's like I put a jihad on you too. <laughs> this is so funny, man. There you is. have balls. I like balls. <laughs> just so funny. What was this? I forget what the situation he was talking about when he, his story he cooked up about how he said, "I swore I'd put a jihad on him, and if you don't let me do this." I'll put a jihad on you too. Yeah, it was something about he's like the day the infidels came to our village. He took that whole like thing about how gorillas killed his brother and like repurposed it to being infidels. <laughs> yeah, instead of it being gorillas, it's actual gorillas that killed his brother. Oh, yeah. oh man. 
Yeah. Dad, yeah. dad jokes just up another level. Uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> no, it's fun. It's funny, dude. I just... Well, I mean, the, the the character backstories are funny too, though. Like how we get like these little hints, like, oh, what happened, you know, to his brother, or like Chris. Why does Chris, you know, why does he hate actors? And it's just or, like they go for the most outlandish shit. Or like how Sarah has those useless powers, and then like at the at the end, Joe's like, "Come on, we all know you don't really have powers." And then for some reason, it just works. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> well, he's so fed up because he he wants her so bad. And she keeps like she's supposed to have this sensory thing about her, and she's completely missing that he wants her. You know, <laughs> and at the end, he's like, "I'm fucking done with it." He's like, "I'm fucking over it." It's like when you try to like, we've all been there. You're trying to date a girl, and it's just like not working out, and then you're just like, "Fuck this." You know what? <laughs> Joe Joe had enough. He's like, "We all know, you know, you're not psychic, Sarah." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Well, yeah, and it was it was. I didn't even think about that angle where, <coughs> like, a guy could be in love with you for years, and you're supposed to be this empath, and like you can't pick up on that. Like, I didn't even pick up that angle. I just thought about it was like it was interesting how they she'd be like, I I, I think we're about to go down, and the plane just hits like hits the water. <laughs> like it it, it was kind of like in um in Galaxy like like it wasn't really but like it, in uh, Galaxy Quest where Sigourney Weaver's character like just did the most useless stuff like she just repeated yeah. like something that happened and yeah. like, and she would do the same thing like she would just state the most obvious thing and it was passed off as some kind of superpower that she had I'm but, sensing you're confused right now <laughs> <laughs> he just walks in he doesn't know what's going on so uh, no yeah it, it, it go ahead go ahead no I was just gonna say like you know, we've talked about a lot of the scenes that we like thought were funny. I mean, but I I just want to see if there's anything else. Like it, it, it's just kind of come up organically. But I'll tell you, when I was in the theater, for me, when they do the puppet sex scene and it just goes so far, and then you just oh, see God. the puppets yeah. fucking pile driver. Like I lost it. I lost my goddamn <laughs> mind in the theater. Like the, the way only a 22 year old who's like half in the bag can. <laughs> Like I, I, it was just, and that scene was supposed to be twice as long, and there was gonna be yeah. like water sports involved, and and I think on the unrated version you can still see that you can still see the joy of a Cleveland steamer being dished out on somebody's chest. I don't remember which way it goes, but um, yeah, I mean that was one of the, that was the thing where you know you're you take something stupid like that from an 80s movie like the like the unnecessarily uh acrobatic and <laughs> borderline violent love scene and it's like set to some kind of fucking like smooth jazz bullshit or something like that like some steamy sax nonsense and then they just and yeah and then, and then trey parker puts his own fucking hilarious song in there and it's like and it's like and then like the puppets are kissing I, I still remember when i first saw it and the puppets are kissing and i'm like oh okay that's cool and then it's just it, it, like let's get to the next thing and then it just kept going and going yeah. and then she's like she's like fucking bobbing up on up and down on his dick like a hydraulic press and like, <laughs> and they're like running through like all the greatest hits of the kama sutra and it's like man these guys are really fucking going for it and then they you know it like they had to know what they were doing, and then it was just that it's like pile driver, and I just I lost it. I could I could I couldn't keep it together anymore. And then and then the um, you know she's like nothing can mess this up, and she does the shh, but but because she's a puppet, she puts the shush over his eye instead of his mouth. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, like, that is, that's a subtle little, like, nuance, but it's so damn funny. Like, yeah. And, like, and, 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 like they're doing golden showers. They're sh- she's shitting <laughs> on his face. Like, it's just, like, it's so outlandish. And he probably thought, like, oh, like, what will they expect here? They're going to expect, like, oh, they're going to, sh- like you said, they're going to show them kiss and then it's going to fade out and then we're going to go to the next scene. He's like, nope, we're not only going to have a sex scene, we're going to go way over the top just because, <laughs> you know? And, and it's just, it's so insane that it's funny because I was just doing a net, like right before we were recorded, I'm like, let me do, let me watch again. Because I watched it five days ago or whatever. It was really late at night as my rewatch. And just before we came down, I had about an hour or so. The kids were winding down. So I'm like, all right, let me pop it on. Um, and I started like watching it again. And Kathleen, she goes, what is this? I'm like, oh, this is Team America. This is the movie we're doing. She's like, What? She's like, what is this? I'm like, it's the guy's from South Park. She's like, oh, I don't really like South Park. And then she like left to go like um, give Johnny a bath. And she came back and it was that scene, the sex scene. And she goes, what the? And she starts laughing. And she's like, I'm like, see? Yeah. Two puppets fucking. You didn't think you'd see that, did you? <laughs> Bang. Oh, man. Yeah. That, I mean, that was like, what I, I just remember what I saw was in the theater. Like, I was laughing so hard at so many things. It was like, and then I'm watching it. Yeah. I was having some technical difficulties with um, with my setup here, so I I actually didn't get my rewatch in until today Sunday. I, I didn't watch it till Friday, and uh, which is which is really late for me because I like to watch the movie. You, like John John likes to crack on me, but I like to watch it, you know, pretty early on, and then kind of think about it, and then you know you know do some research and stuff. This time it just it didn't work out that way, so I had to kind of I it was kind of a. Um, like a meta tribute to how Trey and Matt work. Like I. Just, oh, nice. Were you hammering fucking Big Macs? Yeah, at like two a.m. Yeah, I was. I was. I just was. I was just washing down quarter pounders with a ten piece with hot mustard and sweet and sour sauce, and I. I just turned to the camera and I'm like, it. 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 It just makes me happy if only for five minutes. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is a great uh, for yeah for everyone who hasn't watched that six days to air or seven days to air whatever it's called yeah um, how they made the the first uh, I think it was the uh, Sentai Pad episode of um, South Park uh. human human Sentai Pad uh, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous but uh, in terms of their ridiculousness like I this might be not as ridiculous but I loved the again the, you know the further um, just roasting of the celebrities when they were showing them on like the news shows and because like they had like janine garoppolo um or is it garoppolo or it's it's with an f but i you know who cares yeah janine garoppolo like saying like it's our job as celebrities to read newspapers and then go on tv and say what we read in the newspapers (laughs) Or whatever, you know, and, or, or, or like Tim Robbins. See, you got the corporations and they're being all corporation-y in their corporation buildings. You know, and it's like, if you like listen to some of these celebrities when they're on like Bill Maher or wherever the hell they are, like trying to like act, it's like, can you just fucking, you know, you're, you're the fucking idiot pitcher from Bull Durham. You know, like just be that guy. Okay. You break out of prison with a spoon. That's fine, okay? <laughs> I don't need I don't need Tim Robbins' fucking thoughts about politics. And I think that's another part why I find this so funny is because this movie makes fun of any political ideology. And it doesn't matter where you are. And I feel like anybody from either side, if you have a sense of humor, you get it. And I, I don't really have one side. 
politically. I've never really been one way or the other. So maybe this movie like really hits me in a good way. But the arrogance and that the, the fucking cockiness and self-ass kissing of celebrities I always hated. And they really, and maybe that's another part why I like Trey Parker and Matt Stone so much. Because they really give it to these people. And they yeah. like find the people that annoy them the most and, and, and just like just harpoon them. And uh, and uh, like those lines, like oh, we're guards, yeah, we're guards, <laughs> yeah, like fucking Martin Sheen, fucking Mister Fucking Apocalypse Now, yeah, oh, yeah, we're guards, yeah, yeah, he like, <laughs> and it'd just be funny because Martin Sheen's like, I played the president for like six seasons. It's like fucking who cares? Like nobody cares. Yeah, like if I, I think in Ocean's Eleven, when we were doing the Ocean's Eleven one, I was talking about how like George Clooney is like trying to reinvent himself as like this this like like diplomat. And it's just yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like have, Martin Sheen. How about how about maybe uh, if you were a better dad, uh, <laughs> thing would have worked out a little better for Carlos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of other scenes uh, we can have to get into. Dude, the um, fun, what he's throwing up, like that's that's textbook. Sideshow yeah. Bob, step out, step out of rake, and just keep stepping on rakes until it's funny again. Like yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. That scene, uh, he's bumbling around drunk, and I actually think right before the vomiting, it's really funny too because he plays the woman in the window. Trey Parker does. Get out of the street, you fucking bum! <laughs> she goes. You gave up on life, didn't you? <laughs> Oh, oh, the murder! He starts throwing up, and when you think it's over, it's like Austin Powers with the piss. Yeah, you know? <laughs> evacuation, comp- and he just and it just and it it's it goes beyond. It almost like turns into when they're doing like vomiting on SNL, where you could clearly see it's coming out of like the sleeve. Yeah, because it's just spraying all out of that puppet's face. It's insane. And I read, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read. And one of the overhead shots, they had Trey Parker actually laying down. Yeah, I read that and too. Do you think yep. that's real? Yeah. Why not? I mean, it seems like the kind of shit these guys had to do to get this movie done. Like, I don't know why, because I think they had to re like they didn't want to ruin the puppets, and then they like like when they did the scene where they they blew up the Panama Canal and they fl- they like drowned all the puppets. They had to wring them out so they could use them again. Because they had like two hundred and it was like two hundred and eighty puppets or something, and they just they couldn't have like I don't I guess they just couldn't afford to lose any of them. They had and, to yeah. they had to dress them up and reuse them and like all the I mean just the the attention to detail like all these these tiny puppets having like matchsticks in their hair and having little radios and and all yeah. that stuff. I mean that that was the yeah. kind of stuff like you you mentioned earlier, and I wanted to I I wanted to make a you know way in more but we kind of changed topics a little bit which you know tends to happen on this program but um the yeah i mean matt stone and trey parker said they would never do a movie together after this because yeah matt stone said he was working 20 hours a day and he was taking sleeping pills to go to sleep and he was like living on coffee and when you think about it i mean i i don't know if i could live like that for five months like when they when they were promoting the movie they they were at a press junket. This was like ten days before the movie came out, and the the it wasn't finished. They had to give they had to give a twenty minute reel to the journalists that were covering it because they hadn't finished the movie yet. 
like mm-hmm. not totally like like the score wasn't added and then there was there was also a, like a pr- a random story where um they had the score ready you know the songs that Trey Parker didn't write and for some reason Paramount hated it so they had to bring in Harry Gregson Williams at the 11th hour to do the score for it and you know what i mean that's not unheard of for movies to go, go to the wire because sometimes directors you know they're perfectionists or or whatever and even some big you know blockbuster massive studio type stuff that happens but uh the score you know you bring that up like even in the vomit scene it's this very dramatic (laughs) heavy duty track like that you could easily pick that out and if you lay that over one of the most serious scenes in like saving private ryan it would work and it's they and i don't know maybe that's giving paramount credit then i don't know but whoever made the choice to, to make those tracks the way they sound, I thought it was genius because if for, for a minute there, you're like, wow, I, you know, I'm not watching a puppet vomiting uh, egregiously over the top and, you know, in this laying in his own filth and, you know, I'm not watching this Trey Parker thing. You're like, oh, wow, I should feel bad for this guy because the music like does that. Like the music is le- the music in this movie is legit, dude. It is good. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe is that Paramount's, uh, they get the credit then? Like, what did it sound like before that? I don't know. No idea. Because that's just Well, they give history. them a win. Because I, I thought that was so good. I thought, because in my mind, I was like, well, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they're, you know, even a movie that they weren't writing, like the Farrelly Brothers with the, or whoever did basketball. Was it Farrelly Brothers? No, it was the guy. It was one of the guys from Airplane. I think it was Jerry Zucker. Oh, Okay. Yeah, like even that, they took that over. You clearly saw their humor was all over that movie in, in terms of like. Uh, I don't and the thing I don't know where that movie would have been without it, frankly. But I, I, I and I agree. So, so going into their own project, I'm like, they must, you know, they're control freaks. They've always kind of wanted to do things the way they wanted to do it. I just mm-hmm. figured that music decision was like Trey Parker saying, like, no, we got to go big here, and mm-hmm. we got to do like some big score stuff. Uh, Michael Bay style because we wanted to like feel that way and who but either way whoever made that choice I I thought I thought it was so good that they got these massive big dramatic score orchestra pieces for the score of this movie I just think it makes it that much funnier in this weird way so good yeah yeah I I I didn't lock onto that part as much as you I think it was just because it was like for it was like I got in this weird mode where I was just waiting for the next Trey Parker song to come on like, sure. And sure. then, like, I was watching the seeds and stuff, and they were funny. But then it was like, then the songs would come on. And it was, it was just like, God, these songs are so fucking funny. Like, yeah, and I, <laughs> I think maybe the those like the serious score pieces help like cleanse the palate, so that when you get hit with another Trey Parker tune, it's like fresh and it stands out or something like that. Because I feel like if it was an hour and forty minutes of just Trey Parker songs or whatever. I'd be like, you know, all right, this is turned into like a, a musical sort of thing. Um, but the fact that they pepper them in and you get like three or four really good ones, I think that's like the right amount. Mm-hmm. Um, I know South Park's the Bigger, Longer, Uncut had a lot of, a lot of songs in it too. Um, and even for, even that movie, I'm like, there's t- too many songs, I think, in this one. But in this right. movie, there's like, you know, the Pearl Harbor one, the Freedom one, the mm-hmm. Only a Woman, and all of them just like they're spread out enough and they all hit their own different genre that they make fun of. They're all just so damn good, so I'm 100 percent with you there. Mm. Yeah, the the America Fuck Yeah song, which is oh my god, I, I would make the argument that's probably the the most famous song off the soundtrack. It's um, so good, and when 
when you sit like I remember sitting through the credits with my friend just to listen to all the songs again. Like and then I, I fucking lost my mind when they when you hear the uh, well it wasn't the full version but you hear the extended version of America fuck yeah that they're running down all the things that are America and are in fact <laughs> that should in fact be met with a fuck yeah like baseball NFL yes. and then they just throw in slavery and then there's this weird pause it's like fuck yeah <laughs> and then I think yeah, and then yeah, they, yeah. they did the guitar riff and then I think they cut to another song but if you listen to the you know the whole thing it goes on a little longer but um one of the verses Mike I just called it up McDonald's fuck yeah Walmart fuck yeah the gap <laughs> fuck yeah baseball NFL rock and roll the internet slavery <laughs> Then uh, I'll just run through another. No, 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 no. <laughs> Starbucks, Disney World, Porno, Valium, Reeboks, Fake Tits, Sushi, Taco Bell. Oh, I have not. I'm not with. I am not with them on the bolt-ons. <laughs> the, bolt-ons. the kid does not like bolt-on tits. <laughs> no, no googly eyes for Mike. That's all right. <laughs> Carl, Carl, God bless him, got his eye put out once at a strip club on his birthday from, from a googly that was, eye. That was the uh, late, great Elon, wasn't it? It was. Mm. Rest in peace. Never never made it there. Uh, the, the foundation is now part of an auto body shop. I'm sure there's still cocaine somewhere in the corner. Um, Price but, of progress. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this movie, it, it, one of the funny things about it was that you know, Trey. You, you mentioned how Trey Parker and Matt Stone are kind of like this creative monolith, and they they kind of they their influence gets out to everything. They had pet, you know, they had Pam Brady working on this with them too. But they, you know, a lot of this movie, it, they had a serious director of photography for this movie. They had this guy named Bill Pope who had he had spent the last few years working on the Matrix film, the well, the second two, the second and the third Matrix film, and then oh, wow. Spider Man two. And he said the only reason he agreed to do this movie was because he just wanted to do something that wasn't on a green screen, and that he he just went he just completely overcorrected went from doing a green all these green screen scenes to doing puppets where he said oh yeah it's like working on a regular movie except you're 18 feet tall, so that was the challenge for him. I mean I and he said he wanted to use a certain type of lens. I don't know the anamorphic lenses he said that's like that's like the kind of camera lenses that get used in a lot of these old school action movies but they couldn't get enough focus on the puppets so they couldn't they couldn't do that for the whole look so yeah i mean that's another thing another level of how much care and attention went into trying to create this big action environment for this movie but yeah i mean yeah that's a that's a good point that they really didn't like they took it seriously like the content itself is not but how they made it they took it very seriously yeah i mean uh, i think if, i think if the, if it had been like the original like how it originally intended because they had to revise the script a bunch of times like if they originally did like all the puppets or like doing shtick and like and all that stuff i i don't want to i don't want to i mean like i said one of the creators said it so it's not like it's an original thought but you know now that i'm thinking about it it was like it was so funny as it was i don't know how it would have been if they were trying to do like bits yeah i, I don't know yeah it, it, like, yeah that's i think you're right it might have it might have been just stretched credulity too much like it would have been it just would have been like 
hard to take. It's like, all right, this is already kind of ridiculous. Now these puppets are trying to do... They're, like, working on their, uh, you know, type 5 for the comedy store. And it's, like, it's like just too much. But it might, Yeah, it might have been too... Yeah, because, I mean, this definitely has their brand of humor, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like South Park. You know what I'm saying? So, right. And maybe if they had they done that, I think to to service your point a little bit here, it would have felt maybe a little too South Parky or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, that I mean, there's a lot of other bits I can talk about. Another one that's standing out to me is right before the the vomit scene, which uh, creates Gary's final speech at the end of the movie, where the drunk just comes up to him and goes, "Hey, hey, hey hold down there, Chuck." And he just. <laughs> And he's just uh, he's spitting all over him with his beard in the bar. And he's talking about pussies get fucked by dicks and all that stuff. That I mean, the analogy it, it's it's over the top. It's you know it's grotesque, uh, but the metaphor is pretty fucking good and pretty fucking funny. Oh you know, yeah, I, fuck I, this asshole. Yeah, I I agree with you. <laughs> it's like it's like that. That's part of the reason that. You know, and I I don't throw this word around lightly. Um, it does get thrown around lightly in. Uh, press coverage for actors, directors, things like that. But I mean, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they are geniuses because they, they are able to take this sophomoric like potty humor essentially and use it to convey messages that are like, they're more profound than you think at the time. Like, yeah. like one of the tough balancing acts with this movie is the fact that, yeah, they're making fun of how a superpower goes and kind of asserts its will all over the world and, you know, consequences be damned and stuff. But at the end of the, but, but it's like, but at the end of the movie, it's, they, they come out on the side of that jingoistic superpower, which would be America in real life. And it was like, if you, if the, if you know, they've done press where they've talked about it, they, they said they were debating about how they wanted to end the movie. And they, they wanted to end it that way because they wanted to stay true to that whole through line about how, you know, you could call people dicks, but you need them. It's kind of like, I, I think Trey Parker or Matt Stone, one of the two, had a line about how it's like, it's like, yeah, everybody hates cops. Cops are dicks, but we need them. Yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. it's, and, you know, because there's there's this whole thing, and I, I don't want to get too far down this road, but it's like when you talk to people whose, whose beliefs don't quite align with yours, and they, like, like I've heard people say things like, well, there's no need to ever resort to violence and it's like what kind of privileged life have you led where you think that that's true <laughs> it's, that's a good point it's like you know people always that that's that's another catchphrase for you know for today's you know the the keyboard pc warriors you know check your privilege check your privilege it's like you talking about how violence isn't a solution to a problem that's really spoken like somebody who is never like had a hard life or had to deal with act like deal with people outside of a very kind of homogeneous like like just people from a similar socioeconomic place you know like yeah. violence is never it's like you have no idea what's out there like yeah like what i i know this is taking the pup all of a sudden this took a really serious right turn but i i think that's one of the one of the complex themes that's being that gets portrayed in this movie is the fact that you know you have these out of touch celebrities and they they don't really have any idea how the real world works and that comes from 
a life of being disconnected because of your men's privilege. I don't, I don't know if that's a little heavy, Johnny, or not, but I mean... I mean, just, a little, but uh, you're not wrong, you know? So uh, if, if we needed to prove to people that uh, we do have some semblance of intellectual processing, I think that's a good spot for it right there. So um, I'm cool with that. I think you're right. Anyway. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, so do you have, is, is there a, a favorite scene for you in this movie overall that, uh, you're like, that's one that puts me in stitches every time I watch it or anything like that, that, uh, stands out the most. You maybe I'm, already brought it up, but yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, I already talked about the ones that really got me going, but like, I mean, just, just the little, again, this, like, this is just comes from me being just a huge Trey Parker mark, but just the little, just the little things like how he just the, the what the effort he puts into his voice work and singing like those little, like, like what? Just when you know Carson gets shot, he's like, "Sorry, babe, this is a one-way ticket." <laughs> <laughs> and the just the like the you know the puppets fucking obviously is hilarious, and the uh, the vomit scene and all that stuff. Like, like I didn't want to bag on the Kim Jong Il thing too much. I just thought some of the stuff was a little over the top, like especially when Hans Blix is like in the tank and he just keeps swearing at him, like, and he just keeps at it, like it's just it's like all right, like. I, I, like it's it's okay if like one joke doesn't land or one so it sure. was kind of funny and then it's just it was like this this didn't have to go on this long but um yeah yeah, yeah. um you know of course the montages too with the because <laughs> you gotta have a montage right even rocky had a montage <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh what what's the um they fade out the montage by saying <laughs> And the lyric is, if you fade out in a montage, it helps make it seem like more time has passed or yeah. something like that as they're fading it out. And it's just like that. I don't know if that's the meta is the word or what it is, but yeah. it's just this. It's just that that is like that's Trey Parker, man. That was like quintessential Trey Parker without question. And I, what's funny is like this is one of the funny. This is one of my top. It has to be top five comedy of all time for me. And oh, I, yeah. I got a spider dangling right in front of my face. Um and uh, the, what's what sucks is though knowing that they had the worst time of their life making it. Yeah. Um, but 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 I hopefully I haven't really seen them talk about it much recently. But hopefully they look back on it saying like you know now that you know we're not making this movie forever, but it's gonna live forever. So hopefully maybe they look back on it now like well I'm glad we you know I'm glad that's over and now people can still enjoy it. Maybe I I hope there's some sense of that with those guys because. I you know I love those guys and I root for them all the time and I'm glad that you know they just bought Casa Bonita they actually bought the restaurant yeah. you know they're living their best life as the people say they think they got this new deal with Netflix but it's like the like that little part of me even though they're very well off and they're they're they seem to be very successful and doing well and all that stuff they're in their early 50s now still doing their thing a little part of me is like I wish that they didn't hate making this movie because it makes me feel bad that I enjoy it because they had a fucking dreadful time in their lives doing it. I think they hate every, like, I think when you're that, that's just, I mean, I, I don't know firsthand, but just, it's like kind of the way they work. It's like, they, it's like, they, it's almost like they can't get stuff done unless they put themselves under an insane time crunch. I kind of work the same way. Obviously I don't produce anything that's, you know, as funny or entertaining or anything like that for the masses, but like it was the same way like when I was in school like if I had to do get something done for school it's like if I didn't wait until like two days before the due date like that thing wasn't getting done 
Like I, I don't know, mm. and I, it, it, like that was one of the things I read in the article about Trey Parker was like it was like the 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 atmosphere at South Park Studios is perpetually like co- like college students pulling an all nighter, except that goes on for six days before the episode and, and goes on. What's funny about that is like. I, th- I uh, do you remember what year that documentary was? The six days to air was that like uh, two thousand like no, six or something top, like that? Not off the top of my head. Um, um, the only reason why I bring that up is because you know Bill Hader was like a, a part of that, and he was yeah. like helping them writing and, and you know doing some voice work or whatever. Six days to air was two thousand eleven, so you know Bill Hader was pretty successful at that time already having done you know his spots in super bad and and the jason siegel movies and his, you know being successful on snl and all that but if you watch him in this documentary he's in stitches and bill Hader, in my opinion is one of the funniest people to ever come through snl i think he's very underrated i think he's absolutely hilarious very talented guy he's almost in awe of parker and like watching him almost fanboy to trey parker to me is like all you need to see to have one of the funniest guys, in my opinion, Bill Hader, looking at Trey Parker like a comedic god. Mm. Uh, and, you know, again, you know, if you're getting like, Johnny, enough with the fucking, we get it, you like Trey Parker. Mm. It's like, the, you're listening to an episode of us talking about a Trey Parker movie. I mean, I the guy is one, legitimately one of my heroes. You ever get that question like, who would you want to go out drinking with or go out to dinner with? Trey Parker would definitely be on my list. He'd, if, if it was a dinner for four, me and three other people, he'd be one of them. I think on every every single option because I feel like the guy would be engaging, he'd be funny, he'd be real. Uh, and watch, I, I'd meet him and he'd be a total asshole for all I know. But uh, I, I just I, I admire the hell out of the guy. And 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 you know this movie, as ridiculous as it is, as much of it is a parody of things, and as much of it is you know this sort of like mockery of of uh, you know. Uh, celebrity and all that mixed into whatever it is and how much they hated making it it's one of like I said one of my top favorite comedy top five comedies of all time yeah I don't know where it sits with you like I I know you love these guys just as much as I do I don't know if like you rank basketball higher than this or what where where does this movie sit with you I don't know man I'd have to think about it a little bit just because they have top five comedies I mean it was I mean I was laughing still even after all this time I mean I know it's really well regarded (laughs) by certain certain institutions. I know certain critics didn't really like it, but like Quentin Tarantino said it was one of his favorite movies that came out since 1992, and he used that as a barometer because that's when he started doing films. And then Edgar Wright, not much of an endorsement, said it was in his top 1,000. I don't even know why he would say that. Like, that's just... That, that seems like a, a we- really comment. We- That seems like a really weird backhanded compliment. Like, um, yeah, yeah like, or backhanded insults. It's yeah, like, like yeah, Johnny. Johnny's like one of my top fifty friends. Like, <laughs> exactly. He's like, what a dick. Like, who says that? <laughs> top fifty friends. Top. You even know fifty people? It, I yeah. maybe. I, I don't know. I don't sit around counting the people I know. But um, <laughs> like, yeah, the, the the you know the we I I talk I wanted to talk about the Thebes. I I kind of touched on them. You know the the you know the celebrity thing like the the you the, the the kind of vacuous celebrity culture like crusade culture and then they also took a shot at kind of the impotence of international relations in that way like with the Hans Blix thing because I, I yeah this, yeah dude I had this I had this college professor he fucking ripped on the UN every chance he got it was like it was actually like funnier than some TV I watched like it was great but um that's a that's a good point because he's like 
or else like um, yeah Kim Jong Il or else what he's yeah. like we're gonna write a strongly worded letter to you about how we're upset exactly about this. <laughs> that's just so funny because it's so true yeah and then and then of course you have them you know ma- making fun of the other side which is like the hawkish pro war kind yeah. of uh, that like you said the rally around the flag thing that unfortunately like, you know it was a kind of a side effect of nine eleven you can't expect that not to happen but at the same time. Yeah from a lot of people who came off as really disingenuous. It's just seemed like, but so you have all that going on in this movie. And then on top of it, you just have puppets, you know, fucking reverse cowgirl, you know, (laughs) which, you know, which is funny because it almost feels like this type of movie because of, you know, that they go at and after everybody, you can almost like reach across to with people who are completely on an opposite side of a spectrum as you and be like, you know, we can enjoy this together because they make fun of everybody. This isn't like, you know, some people watch this and took it as, oh, this is a shot at, you know, George Bush. And some people watch this and they're like, oh, this is a shot at, you know, liberals. And it, and they didn't understand that, like, both Trey Parker and Matt Stone hate both everything. They hate yeah. it all. They hate the whole system, all of that. And they, they don't like being... Uh, backed into a corner and labeled something and you know they, they've been on record saying like i think matt, matt stone said something like i fucking hate conservatives and i really fucking hate liberals <laughs> like or something like that and they're just like they're they're doing they're just them and they don't they don't like anyone trying to stake their claim to like oh south park's speaking for this ideology south parks these guys are our guys they're like no we're not we don't we don't like you like, well there was a guy who coined the term south park republican like yeah i've heard that i've heard essentially that essentially yeah. your social i guess you know if you want to assign labels to it like you're fiscally conservative socially liberal and it, but at essence you're libertarian but at the same yeah it's like but this isn't some half-assed political theory podcast <laughs> no we're talking no. about a funny ass puppet movie uh yeah <laughs> that happens to touch on some pretty i don't know I, I would say pretty poignant political themes if you think about it i mean it's just yeah it's just masked in all this other stuff but it's like it, you know i and i made the point very circuitously as is my way but you know <laughs> the that I think that's part of the reason the movies age so well. Because if anything, that celebrity douchebaggery has just gotten worse. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. Espe- especially with the proliferation of social media platforms, and you know, it's like the growing number of issues that people think it's like I need my opinion out about this. It's like we really don't. We really don't need to know what you think about global warming. <laughs> just, well, that's why, like. That, like I feel like that like you could say like wow that's really psychotic the way they killed the celebrities in the movie okay. but it's it's like I don't know you know why Trey Parker did it, but I think most of the stuff he does is over the top like he he's like they do this like smart like you said metaphoric way of using dick jokes to, to make a good point you know and like chopping their heads off or like Susan Sarandon dying in a ball of flames. And like, I, I just feel like the celebrities they hated the most, they gave the harsher death to. And that was just their way of saying like, we really don't fucking like you. And uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I think some of the deaths were just funny and how, how they happened. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, they, so- they were, they were crazy. They were yeah, out of like some, a Rambo movie or something. Some of them took a, took it well. And then some of them didn't like Alec Baldwin, 
you know, said he thought the thing was amusing. And I guess people would yell at him at the, on the street, like, you're useless, Alec Berwin. And he would just say right back at you, Kim. Like, just playing <laughs> into it. Um, you know, George Clooney took what I think a lot of people could have viewed as kind of a, a betrayal. He took that kind of just in stride. But I guess if I were George Clooney, I would just take a lot of shit in stride, too, because how bad is your wife, really? And then, uh, you know, Matt Damon, yeah. too. You know, same thing. He he just said yeah. he he said he thought the guys were geniuses. He just didn't understand why they he he got that treatment as opposed to anyone else. And then they they later revealed in an interview that it was because of the way his puppet came out. It had nothing to do with him personally. So <laughs> it it just goes to show you, like, not everything is like a motive, like a personally motivated attack. Sometimes yeah. it's just that's just the yeah. way things turn out. And, and like the, the roundabouts are funny how like you know at the beginning of the movie spots spot wood spots wood is like suck my cock and he's like I, i'm just kidding and then later on he's like no seriously suck my cock <laughs> and then it has you know to get I mean? and then in, tr- in true style it has to get brought up three more times so everybody knows that he sucked <laughs> he sucked his dick to show his commitment to the mission <laughs> yeah right right and uh you know um the fact that I don't know if it was like it's supposed to be an alien because he like goes in like this ship or whatever, like, but yeah. Kim Jong Il like is a is a fucking cockroach. Yeah, like, yeah, and- dude, and that's just more just another Trey Parker, Matt Stone hallmark. It like just when you thought this was getting really serious, it's like no, Kim Jong Il falls and gets impaled on this gigantic, ridiculous World War World War One like Weimar Republic hat, and then a giant cockroach. Only to reveal he's a giant cockroach who gets in a fucking spaceship and escapes. <laughs> it's almost like that's... Uh, I mean, this is just some stupid thought I had that's probably not going to hold water. But it's like it's almost like he's saying, like, for somebody to be that evil in real life, we ha- it's like to him, it's like, that can't even be a real guy. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like in his head, it's like it's more comfortable to think of him as just an alien, like just an alien bug than an actual person that evolved right. to be that evil who knows yeah I mean, just like what what's one creature on earth that every person would have no problem stepping on if they saw it in their house and be a cockroach <laughs> you know and because you know, there's some you know people would be like oh don't do that it's just a harmless little it's like no a cockroach i think it's universally one of those things people like kill it get rid of it you know, that sort of thing and like all right so that's going to be our villain in in uh in a kim jong-il costume or whatever and uh that's again their way of putting this thing over the top so yeah dude um, the 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 one one last thing i wanted to say because we kind of beat this into the ground a little bit but one thing i wanted to say like a a scene that made me laugh that was tied into how the you know the, the sending up of celebrity culture and like how that's invaded politics was just how and this wouldn't and i hate to say this because it's like we have to say it though every time we we watch a movie that was made like pre 2008 it's like that that wouldn't fly today but like how he changed the screen actors guild to the film actors guild it was like every it was like fag, fag oh yeah every day and then yeah. it's like and then yeah. and then i think alec Baldwin's giving the monologue he's talking about it's like oh you you were gonna you thought you were gonna change the world and bring peace to the middle east didn't you fag <laughs> right yeah right yeah I was fucking dying man it was like <laughs> Because, I mean, that's totally odd brand, and it, it just... it And, like, like South Park did it with the bikers, where they're like, yeah. oh, no, no, fags aren't gay people. That guy's a fag. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're way like, past that now. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Interesting dissembling a language there, for sure, but... 
in any event. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of like, there's this always going to be this, I think, chip on those guys' shoulders as outsiders, as successful as they are, they haven't ditched it in a weird way, and they're always going to be feeling like outsiders and maybe that's because of the content they create that they kind of uh, back themselves into that corner but i think that's what's kept them persevering all these years is that they've always sort of had that rebellious sort of like fuck you attitude yeah uh, towards things and if people try to adhere themselves to them too much they're like no now fuck you you know like there's just that certain way about them that uh keeps us around you know and 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 they keep making stuff that we kind of enjoy and now i'm not saying I'm in a situation where every Wednesday at 10 o'clock I'm, I'm popping on the brand new South Park, but I still watch these guys and I still absorb all their content and I'm still going to look forward to what they do in the future. And I know they're not going to make any more of these uh, Team America movies because of how much they hated it. But, you know, 17 years later, I'm sitting there on my couch. I'm 38 years old, still cracking my ass off just yeah. at this the ridiculous movie. And I'm just so happy that I'm able to still... Uh, love it and enjoy it for what it is now I'm not, I'm not saying you know to wrap this up or anything like that maybe there's other stuff we can get into but um i, I mean, we've covered a lot a lot of it already but yeah. uh, what else what else, is there anything else you want to do no, i mean i like the only thing i wanted to say just to kind of add on to what you were saying about trey parker and like his kind of his like how he, him and matt stone like their their creative energy like how they the the stuff their work has just endured all this time and there's this weird thing, and I don't know if if anybody else would would agree, but I think it, it, like I mentioned their integrity, like the fact that if they see if they're putting out an act, it's like the greatest act of all time. But like I I'll, I'll, in basketball, like Trey Parker has this line where he's talking. It's where Matt Stone, like Matt Stone's character, like gets all into the. He starts signing all the business deals and making all the money, and like where like starts acting like the stereotypical professional athlete that they were trying to avoid being. And there's yeah. this scene where he just says something to him and then he, and then he goes fucking sell out. And he says it with <laughs> such like such menace, like such venom. It's like, that's probably how he feels sometimes about, you know, like people who come like who have their beliefs and then they, they turn against them for money or for fame or whatever. And like, like I said, like like part of the reason these guys are geniuses, and I'm not, I don't shy away from using that word, is because like I said earlier, they they have created one of the, the greatest job in entertainment, and they've just done it all on their own. Like for like it's just their well, not all on their yeah. own. Like you know they they caught a break here or there, but just, like they've stayed true to themselves, and they've they've just they've made the like they made this crazy ass puppet movie. They made you know before that they made this construction paper animated show and then it evolved a computer and then you know then yeah, they do man. a musical about the book of mormon of all things and it's just like right and it's like everything right. they touch because it's like they it's a it, the under the underlying thing is like you just have you get that brand of humor and music and it's just it's something that people want to see even though this movie didn't like you know this, this movie was not a blockbuster by any means it was a it only made it, it made fifty one million dollars against a thirty two million dollar budget, but I think for a certain, I th- I think this is one of those movies that definitely has more of a cultural impact and more of a kind of a resonance, especially with people of our generation, than it would let on. I mean, I I think I think the average like you know, 
Nielsen box person, like who's in there, like the kind of people who make NCIS, like the number one show on television, like yeah. they're not going to like, they, they, this movie's not even on their radar, but for people, no. but for like-minded people, I mean, yeah, this is a, this is a, you know, universal, universally funny comedy. Like, I mean, you know, being one of my friends, like sometimes, like once in a while, we'll just say to each other, like, we won't even realize that this was, it's like, he's like, do you have any idea how fucking busy I am? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but, yeah you could drop any of those quotes yeah yeah and you know there's also that you know whole thing you know, this movie came out when we were you know 21 or whatever yeah 22. Mm-hmm. and yeah you know i was just uh finishing up college right and you know there's that line that uh right before the the sex scene mm. uh which is like all guys have sort of done this in one way or another where it's like <laughs> the girl's like if you could promise me this I'd make love to you right now. And then he's like, I promise I will never die. And like the puppet says it with a straight face. And it's just like one of those things like you, you swear you're going to call me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, Dave, I trust you. You know, and uh, he, he's not listening. I don't care. Um, but <laughs> oh, you want to talk about just fucking, just, just taking, just, just taking the shots that are there, throwing haymakers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know the 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 whole thing about oh you, you you may you know don't get caught out there. You know instead of giving him a cyanide pill, it gives Gary a fucking hammer. Oh like, yeah, just, dude, that was hilarious. The, uh, what else? There's a. Uh, um, uh, not the limo scene, but there, you know, there, there's these other subtle little like things in there where it's just like, it's like one joke on top of another joke, like layered into another joke. And there's just like so much in this movie that you can like dig into. It's just so funny besides the surface level, you know, vi- how visually funny it is. But, um, there's just, there's just so much to enjoy. Maybe, you know, for an hour and 30 minute movie or whatever it is, like it has a lot of rewatchability cause there's a lot of like little bits you can like look at. It doesn't feel like boring. Like, Oh, we're at this scene again. Like, it's just like, it moves fast. It's, it's, it's light, but it's like really funny and it hits hard. And like, I don't know. It's just a, it's a good watch. It's just held yeah. so strong I mean, over all was, these years. I just love it. Th- this was one of the pleasant surprises for sure because I wasn't sure how... Because I hadn't seen this movie in so long, but it's like I'm actually like more exhausted from this podcast because I've just been laughing so much with you and thinking about these funny... Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just fucking beat. Like, it's... Dude, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Do you feel the same way or... I'm wiped. Yeah, my mouth hurts. Like, you ever laugh so hard sometimes your fucking mouth hurts? Yeah. Like, my jaw hurts a little bit. Yeah, a little TMJ going. Not not from the not from the suspected cause. Like no, not, not from... like reestablishing trust with uh, <laughs> the guy who recruited you, and he he's yeah. just stone faced while you're blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost God like he's it. not even he's not even enjoying it. Where he is, he doesn't want you to know he is. It's not about the sex, Gary. Suck my cock, Gary. God. Don't you understand? It's about reestablishing trust, Gary. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I don't, man. I don't have, what a pick, Johnny. What a fucking bucket of laughs yeah. this has been. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, if, if there's anything we missed, let us know. Uh, hit us up on social media or shoot us an email, just like the movies pod at gmail.com. But 
we're we're dying. We're physically dying at this point. So, uh, if, if you need to talk about how uh, Gary talks about how Susan Sarandon is a bad actor, let us know uh, in comments or on Twitter maybe, or, or maybe Instagram her or puppets. Maybe her puppets' titties weren't soapy enough. Maybe that's that could be. That could be. It's my yeah. fucking gripe. Susan Sarandon. That's why I watch Bull Durham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think that's it for that. So uh, as uh, as we do, as is tradition, Michael, <laughs> um, what, what are we doing next week? And um, uh, are we going to be as tired after that one? I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think we'll be tired in a different way because... Um, Not I, next week, two, two weeks. Two, so. two weeks from now when we remember it for you wholesale when we talk about Total Recall. I just... That's gonna come as a surprise to nobody who listened to the last podcast because I'm right, I, right, it, it, right. I, I I can't. It I feel I feel like it's uh, I can't avoid it anymore. I think I think I think we got to do it. Um, I mean it's it's not one of my favorite Colin Farrell movies, but I'm definitely. Oh, you give it fuck! <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you talking about the remake that they made in 1990? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking. I'm talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger remake. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm excited. I do like Total Recall. It's, it's been a long time. For, that one's been a long time for me too, though. Oh my um, dude, I, mm, I think I just watched mm. that movie like three months ago. I can't wait to watch it again. That's in your <laughs> top five all time, right? Yeah. Well, it's in the top five list from 2017, but I, I stand by it. Yeah. I don't know. Nice man. The the top five list might need to be re-exam- rejiggered a little bit, but um, that's I, our second Arnold movie. Is that right? It is. It is nice. And we haven't. Uh, yeah, and we yet to do Terminator or anything like that. So no. Um, should be good. I'm very very interested to check out Total Recall and revisit that. So lots good, lots good to get in there. there. Lots yeah, to get in there for with, sure. So for sure. Uh, I mean. I can probably spend minutes just on Michael Ironside alone. So um, <laughs> he's a boss. All right, he is. Um, all right, so that's pretty much it. Do you have any final words uh, for Team America Dude, or I, anything I else you fucking, want to tell the peeps? I am fucking tapped out. Take us out, please. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening again. Like I said, make sure you uh, not only share the podcast, subscribe on your preferred podcast app, and if we're not there, let us know. Uh, We hope you're all doing well out there. Hopefully you laughed as much as we did. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast as we talked about one of our favorite comedies, Team America World Police. Uh, So until next time where we tap into another Schwarzenegger flick, Total Recall, we want you all to be kind, rewind, relax, and we'll see you around. Sportsmanship. Books. Fuck yeah.
give you a break.